Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So I want you to think for a moment, and I want to ask you, is there a movie or movies that are just go-tos for you? In other words, is there a movie that, that you can watch, maybe you've watched it numerous times, and you just keep going back to that movie? Uh, maybe it's one that you can just watch over and over again, and it just never gets old. For my wife and I, uh, one of those movies is You've Got Mail. Right. I can't tell you how many times we've watched that movie throughout the course of our marriage. We just keep watching it over and over and over again, and it just never gets old. Now, for me personally, one of those movies or, or the set of movies is the Back to the Future movies. I, I watched that very first movie when I was a kid living in that house next door. I watched those movies back in the 80s and fell in love with those movies. And so I can't tell you how many times that I've watched those movies in my life. Uh, definitely one of my favorite movies. If you go into my office, I've got Back to the Future items on my shelves and even hanging on my walls. So, so that's a go-to movie for me. I, I just go back to it and I can watch it over and over again and it just never gets old. So this evening, we, we've already spent time at the table with Jesus, and so now I want to invite you to, to spend some time at the cross with Jesus, because what Jesus did at the table what was more than just sharing a meal with the disciples. What Jesus did at the table, his, his words and his actions were really pointing to the cross, and, and as we think about the cross, the cross is something that we've talked about time and time again, and, and yet the, the message of the cross is something that we can keep coming back to, and it just never gets old. No matter how many times we, we talk about the cross, no matter, no, no matter how many times we hear about the cross, its message to us just never gets old. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 23. We're going to look at verses 32 through 46. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 46. Now, as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. Following the, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, Jesus took the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and it was in the garden that, that we see this very real and raw moment that Jesus has as he cries out to the Father. And, and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So let me pause right here and say this. The cross was always God's will. The cross was always God's will. The, the cross is why Jesus came into this world. So it was just a, a few months ago that we celebrated Christmas. And every year at Christmas time, just like at Easter, we, we pause and we remember those events surrounding Christ's birth. And we talk about Jesus being wrapped in, in those swaddling cloths and being laid in that manger. But, but as we think about those swaddling cloths and as we think about the manger, the, the, the cloths and the manger were, were not God's ultimate plan for Jesus. 
Certainly, God used the, the, the cloths and, and the manger in the birth of Jesus and in, in, in the life of Jesus. But the manger is not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come into this world to go to the manger. Jesus came into this world to go to the cross. So I want you to hear this again. The cross was always God's will. But now I want you to hear this. The cross was always God's will for you and for me. It was always God's plan and God's purpose for, for Jesus to come into this world and to go to the cross to suffer a sinner's death that he might bear the weight of your sin and mine upon himself that, that we might have the opportunity to be forgiven, that we might have the opportunity to be set free, that we might have the opportunity to be redeemed. The cross was always God's will for you and for me. So Jesus went from the table to the garden, and, and then the guards, they showed up and they arrested him. And, and they took him before Pilate, but ultimately, it wasn't Pilate that condemned him, it was the crowds that condemned him. It was the crowds that shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And, and while you and I weren't there, we are still certainly part of that crowd while we didn't shout those words, crucify him, we are still part of that crowd because it's not just the sin of the crowd that sent Jesus to the cross. It's also your sin and mine that sent Jesus to the cross. So let's read these events now, beginning in verse 32, Luke chapter 23, verse, verses 32 through 43. It says, two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others, let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers, are, uh, the soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So as we look at the events of the cross tonight, there, there are just a couple of things that I want you to walk away with. First, Jesus was crucified in the place of sinners. Jesus was crucified in the place of sinners. Now that phrase, in the place of, can, can bear a couple of meanings. First, it means that Jesus was crucified locationally in the place of sinners. Jesus was crucified locationally in the place of sinners. What does verse 33 say again? When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there. Jesus was crucified locationally in the place of sinners. So it was July 17th, 1955, that Walt Disney flung open the doors to his very first theme park, Disney World, Disneyland. 
And at that time, when he, when he gave the dedication, he said, to all who come into this happy place, welcome. And so Disneyland later became known, from those words, it later became known as the happiest place on earth. So our passage tells us that where Jesus was crucified was called the place of the skull. Now, some translations may call it Calvary, and that word Calvary, Calvary really means the place of the skull. And the place of the skull was not known for being the happiest place on earth. In fact, this was known for being a dreadful place. This was known for being a, a place of death. This was the place where they crucified criminals. And so it's here that Jesus is crucified locationally in the place of sinners. But Jesus wasn't just locationally crucified in the place of sinners. Jesus was also spiritually crucified in the place of sinners. Jesus was crucified spiritually in the place of sinners. What did verse 41 say again? The criminal says this, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus was crucified spiritually in the place of sinners. Now, now this criminal hanging on the cross certainly wasn't known for his good judgment. Uh, we don't know what this criminal did, but we know that whatever he did uh, was, was deemed bad enough by the Romans to crucify him. And, and yet, while, while he wasn't known for good judgment, as he's hanging there on the cross next to Jesus, God gives him great clarity in this moment to realize that, that Jesus has done absolutely nothing wrong, that Jesus is innocent of, of any crime, any wrongdoing. As I've already said, it wasn't Jesus's sin that sent him to the cross because he was sinless. It wasn't his crime that, that sent him to the cross. He had committed no crimes, but it was your sin. It was my sin. It was the sin of those criminals hanging on the cross. It was all of our sin that sent him to the cross. Jesus was crucified spiritually in the place of sinners. So when I was in the sixth grade, uh, during PE class one day, we were playing kickball. And, uh, and so the, the person on third base, the third baseman, his name was also Kevin. And so as I was rounding the bases, running to third base, this other Kevin, he took the base and he just chunked it because he didn't want me to get to third base. So, so the coach didn't see what happened. All she kind of saw the corner of her eye that the base got thrown. And so she said, who did this? And so all of the students that saw it, they pointed in our direction and said, Kevin did it. Well, there's a problem there. We're both named Kevin, right? And so the coach looks in our direction and says, Kevin, you have detention after school today. Now, I thought she was looking at me. I thought she was talking, at me, talking to me. So, so I thought that I was being falsely accused and wrongfully punished, and so I began to cry. All right, picture little sixth-grade Kevin crying. Sad day, all right? Now, thankfully, it was all a misunderstanding, and the correct Kevin got punished, right? But as we look to Jesus hanging there on the cross, really, Jesus is, is innocent. He has done nothing wrong. He is being punished for something that he does not deserve to be punished for. Really, he's being punished for, for Kevin. He's being punished for you, for your sins, for my sins. Jesus was crucified spiritually in the place of sinners. So let me pause right here and ask, 
Do you realize that G Jesus was crucified in your place? Do you realize that, that it's because of your sin in your life that Jesus went to the cross? Your sin is what deserved death. Your sin is what deserved crucifixion. But Jesus went to that cross and he took the weight of your sin, the weight of my sin, the weight of the world's sin. He took it upon himself and he died in your place and in my place that we might receive eternal life. So do you realize that Jesus was crucified in your place? So Jesus was crucified in the place of sinners. Second, Jesus was crucified between two criminals. Let's look at the rest of verse 33 now. It says, They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Jesus was crucified between two criminals. Now as we think about these two criminals, really the, these two criminals are, are a great picture of everyone in this world. We're really not, not told what they're crimes are and so we don't know much difference between each criminal on the cross but what we do know is that the eternity that they are facing right now is drastically different because in verse 33 Jesus says these words to only one of those criminals truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise and, and the reason that these criminals right now are facing different eternities still to this day is because of the choice that each of them made as they were faced with Jesus. As one of those criminals hung there on the cross, facing inevitable death, what he did was he mocked Jesus. He, he hurled insults at Jesus. Really what he was doing was he was joining in with the crowds. Everyone else below was hurling these insults. Everyone else below was mocking Jesus. And so really this criminal was just joining in with the crowds as he began to mock Jesus as well. The other criminal, however, instead of hurling insults, instead of joining in with the crowd, he cried out to Jesus, recognizing his own sin, recognizing his own wrongdoing, and he asked Jesus to remember him. Now as we think about this second criminal, the one who asked Jesus to remember him, the one that Jesus promised, today you will be with me in paradise. I think there's a, a couple of truths that we can learn from this criminal. First, you've never gone too far for Jesus to forgive you. You've never gone too far for Jesus to forgive you. As you think about your own life, you may be the only one that knows some of the sins that you have committed. And you may think in your own heart, man, I have gone too far, I have done too much, there's absolutely no way that God could forgive me. And yet here we have this criminal being sentenced to death for his crimes. And Jesus forgave him and Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Why? Because he cried out to Jesus. So if you think you've done too much, if you think you've gone too far, then let me encourage you, cry out to Jesus tonight and find out just how far his mercy extends. You've never gone too far for Jesus to forgive you. The second truth we see from this second criminal is that it's never too late. While, while it's my desire as a pastor to see 
individuals give their lives to Christ at a young age so that they can begin walking in that love relationship with Jesus all of their life so that they can grow in that relationship with Jesus all the days of their life. That's my desire. But listen, I understand that there are some, even in their older age, that have not yet given their lives to Christ. And so I would say, it doesn't matter how old you are here today. If you've never given your life to Christ, it's never too late. It doesn't matter if you've been running from Christ your whole life. It's still never too late. As long as you still have breath in your lungs, as long as you're still living, it's never too late too late you can still cry out to Jesus and you can still receive salvation from Jesus Christ it's never too late and so the question that we have as as we look at both of these criminals the one on the left and the one on the right the question that we have is is what are we going to do as we are faced with Jesus what's the decision that we're going to make as we are faced with Jesus you know we live in a world today that that it's it's pretty popular now to reject Jesus. It, it, it's become popular to, to mock Jesus, to hurl insults at God's word, to reject the truth of God's word. And in fact, if you will simply just join in with the crowds and, and begin rejecting Jesus and mocking Jesus and rejecting the truth of God's word in our world today, not only will you be accepted, but you will be celebrated it can be pretty tempting in our world to just join in with the crowd. But we see the criminal that joined in with the crowds, he wasn't promised that life in paradise. And so we have another choice. We don't have to join in with the crowds. Instead, like the second criminal, we can recognize the sin that's in our own life the sin that has separated us from God, the sin that has condemned us to hell, we can recognize the sin that's in our life and we can cry out to Jesus in repentance, in humility, and we can receive that same promise today. You will be with me in paradise. We can receive that promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So tonight we have, we have paused to remember Christ's sacrifice, we have remembered it through the Lord's Supper. We have remembered it through his word. But I don't want us to just remember his sacrifice. I want us to respond to his sacrifice. And so if you've given your life to Christ, then, then I would encourage you to respond in this way. Live like you have received that salvation through his shed blood on the cross. Live like you have been redeemed by his shed blood on the cross. Live each and every day a life that has been impacted by his death on the cross. But if you've never given your life to Christ, then I would encourage you to respond to the cross in this way. Don't hurl insults. Don't reject Jesus. Cry out to him tonight and allow for him to give you that salvation that only he can give. So in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, if you have never given your life to Christ, then tonight I would invite you to respond. Maybe you've gone to church for years, but you've never made that decision to allow Jesus Christ to be your Lord. What better way to respond to the cross tonight and to prepare your hearts for Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, than to respond by giving your life to Christ tonight. 
if you've never given your life to Christ, but you're ready to do that, then as we sing this final song, I would invite you, come and join me down here. I'm going to be standing right in front of the Lord's Supper table. Join me at the table, the table that we remembered Christ's sacrifice. Join me at the table and, and allow for Christ's sacrifice to change your life tonight. Receive that salvation in Him. Would you stand with me right now and let's pray together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.